Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. They gotta bring a flag on for me, man. So. Irving. Irving to the basket. Irving got it. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 39 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can follow me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Guys, this is the third podcast we've done this week. And guess what? The Celtics are 3-0. Love it. The Celtics are up three games to none on the Indiana Pacers after beating them 104-96 tonight. I'm recording this right after the game. I am juiced. I am still in my work clothes. I'm in my my Dockers, my Greg Norman shirt, you know, thanks mom, Macy's coupons, you know, you got to love it. But wow, the Celtics have an opportunity to sweep the Indiana Pacers in round one of the NBA playoffs Sunday, 1 p.m. on Easter. And before I forget, I hope everyone, if you do celebrate Easter, I hope you have a glorious day. And if you don't, well, I hope you have a glorious day too. Alrighty, let's talk. Let's just dive right into this game because it was a little dicey, the second and third quarter. And then with about seven minutes to go in the fourth, the Celtics really turned it up, especially after a grab somebody sexy and tell them, hey, of a first quarter. The Celtics in the first quarter scored 41 points. They absolutely blacked out. They blacked out 66% from the field, eight for 10 from three-pointers. And for those, oh, whoops, sorry about that. I just got so excited, I literally just hit my microphone. Anyways, the Celtics went eight of 10 for th- from three. And for those of you that don't know that, that is 80% from the field. They only held the Pacers to 28 points, so they're up 13. And you know what that means? (laughs) They were going to blow, they were just going to blow the lead in the second quarter. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Carl. Carl, how you doing, bud? Nice to to talk to you. I I even tweeted it out too. This hot start just means that it's going to be a real, real shitty second quarter. And that is exactly what happened. I even predicted that the Celtics would only score 59 points via one of my tweets in, I think it was, yeah, right at the end of the first quarter, I said Celtics will only end up with 58 points, and they actually scored 59. Yeah, I tweeted out 58, and they scored 59. So I was pretty spot on. But the first quarter, I mean, wow. I mean, if the Celtics could play like that all the time, they'll go straight to the NBA Finals. Like You have to be kidding me. Marcus Morris hit a three, Jalen Brown hit a three, Terry Rozier hit a three, Kyrie hit a three, Al Horford hit a three, and it all started off, the very first play of the game was an Aaron Baines three-point shot, Brick City, but that's okay. But one thing I was really happy outside of the shooting in the first quarter was how well the Celtics were switching on defense, especially when um, Tim think, what what are you talking about? Oh, Collinson and Bogdanovich were trying to do the pick and roll, and I thought it was great that Jalen and Jason Tatum, I'm still getting them confused because now they're playing together so much. Jalen and Jason Tatum were switching very well. Horford was switching well. He was hedging, not really giving Collins in that open jumper that he hit a lot in game two 
versus what he was doing in game three. It was really, really good to see. And Kyrie was playing some very good weak side defense. He had like a block with, I think, like three, three and a half minutes to go in the first. It was really good to see him really just be active defensively. He had a steal late in the game. Um, For those of you who watch, I'm sure you saw it, which was great, you know, to kind of get on the floor get after a loose ball. You really didn't see Kyrie do that much when he was playing with, with Cleveland. And the fact that Marcus Smart is gone and is going to be out for a bit, it was it was much needed. So it was very, very cool to see Kyrie do that, especially very early in the game and very, very late in the game. So the Celtics started off the second quarter with a 15-point lead. You know, they got a hoop, and yeah, they ended up being up 13 at the end of one, got a hoop, they were up 15, and then it just went down south real quick. Terry Rozier pissed me off defensively in the second quarter because whenever Sabonis got the ball in the post, I believe that Al Horford can handle him one-on-one. There were a nice couple moves late in the third quarter that Sabonis had on Horford. You know, a little up fake, not that big of a deal. But Terry Rozier was coming down to, to help out Horford, and Sabonis is such a good passer. I mean, Sabonis led the team in assists tonight. I think he had five or six Let me just double check. Yeah, he had six assists tonight for the Pacers, which led the team. So he's a very good passer. So there's no need for Terry Rozier to come down to try and help Al because Sabonis is such a good passer. He can find Corey Joseph, who's usually on the court whenever Terry is. And Corey Joseph is a good enough player to find the open man or make the hockey assist to make the next pass. And I was... It really, really, really aggravated me that Terry would do that because there was absolutely no need for him to do that in any way, shape, or form. But I was very impressed with Tyreek Evans and Thaddeus Young from the Pacers in the second quarter. They, I mean, Tyreek Evans dropped 19 points in the game. That led the team, and he came off the bench. Thaddeus Young was super, super aggressive. He had a couple really, really tough layups that he hit in the second quarter. And Thaddeus Young is one of those guys where... Marcus Morris can guard him physically, but Marcus Morris can't keep up with his quickness or or his athleticism. And Aaron Baines can be physical, but again, can't keep up with the athleticism. And you don't want Al Horford wasting his energy on some um, Thaddeus Young that early because if Al Horford's tired, Nate McMillan's a good enough coach, who's the coach of the Pacers, for those that don't know. He's a good enough coach to notice that Horford's tired. And Al really, really was playing a lot of minutes tonight. Brad Stevens wanted this win tonight. Al Horford had a, you know, Al Horford's the type of guy that will sit four to five minutes in a quarter and, or, you know, in between quarters or, you know, the last two minutes of the third, the first three minutes of the fourth, something along those lines. And he did not do that. It was only like 90 second, two minute stints because Brad really wanted to win that game. But back to what I was trying to say is if Nate McMillan notices that Al Horford's tired, he can, ju- he can just go right to Sabonis and right to Miles Turner and attack him. So I don't want him to waste energy guarding Thaddeus Young. So that's definitely a mismatch that the Pacers have. 1000%. But the good thing going into the third quarter, the Celtics were only down two, and usually I would have been mad, but we all know how bad the Celtics play in the second quarter. So I was just like, you know what? It's really not that big of a deal. I'm not angry. I was expecting it. All good. Only down two points. Was it two points? Yeah, it was either two or three points. All good. And then thankfully, the Pacers hate the third quarter as much as the Celtics hate the second quarter, or at times the third quarter as well. The Celtics started off the third quarter. 2 of 10 from the field. It was gross. But luckily, the Pacers missed 8 or 9 shots in a row. And the Celtics actually took the lead back and got it 
think it was 65, 64, maybe 66, 65. It was some, somewhere around there. I think it was 65 to 64. And part of that was Tatum did a lot of ball watching. You know how I m- mentioned that Terry Rozier would come down whenever Sabonis would have the ball in the post? One of the reasons why the Pacers did score, I would say, most of their baskets or a decent amount of their baskets in the third quarter is because Tatum would be ball watching versus, you know, watch, you know, pistols, as you like to call it, you know, your right pistol to your man, the left pistol to the ball. And Tatum was only watching the ball and Sabonis, like I said, is a good passer. A lot of backdoor cuts. Again, I mentioned in episode 38 the other day, Jason Tatum needs to be better off the ball defensively because so many backdoor cuts happen whenever he's whenever guys defend him and it's ridiculous. So the Celtics and Pacers go back and forth, ugly basketball, back and forth, back and forth. And with about a buck forty six to go in the third quarter, Kyrie Irving left and the Celtics were up three, maybe four at that point. And I was a little nervous because I'm not gonna lie, the Celtics don't end quarters well. I think we can all agree with that the entire year they don't end quarters well but this time they actually did they extended the lead to seven thanks to with about 20 seconds to go Al Horford got a huge offensive rebound tapped it out to Jason Tatum Jason Tatum stuck a three and it was huge and speaking about Jason Tatum Jason Tatum earlier in the game like I would probably say three four minutes into the first quarter he got a technical foul because he he did get fouled and it didn't get called but Jason Tatum I'm not, listen, I don't bash the refs in any way, shape, or form. I hate people that do that. But there were some calls tonight where I was shocked Jason Tatum didn't get calls. I mean, they were A, obvious fouls, and B, he's proven that, you know, maybe he can get the benefit of the doubt. I'm not saying, like, Joel Embiid or James Harden or LeBron James benefit of the doubt. But, you know, hey, come on, ref. I mean, it's a foul. It's pretty obvious. But then at times he did push off, especially, like, late in the fourth quarter. When he pushed off on Bagyanovich, oh my god, that was such a push off. But hey, it went in and they didn't call it, so it's all good. But the best part about the fourth quarter, the fourth quarter, the Celtics came out and they came to play. And they only held the Pacers to two field goals. Two field goals in the last seven minutes of the fourth quarter. Two field goals in seven minutes for the Pacers. I understand Victor Oladipo isn't there for them anymore, and he's a big reason why they probably even got to the 40 or 50 win mark that they had this year but only two field goals in the NBA playoffs great defense good I mean there were some bunnies that they missed but the Celtics were very aggressive defensively they jumped on the shooters hands up contested shots and it was great but I think the thing that we really need to focus on and be happy about is the fact that The opening night starting lineup of Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward all finished that game. That's huge. Remember, they started off the season 10-10, and and then Brad Stevens was like, screw that, I'm changing the starting lineup, and things started getting better. Now Brad is relying on that lineup at the end of games, and it's great to see. I mean, it's not perfect in any way, shape, or form. They're not all on the same page, but the two people that are on the same page are Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. There was a stretch where Kyrie Irving and Al Horford went combined seven points and the Pacers only had two. Kyrie had a floater, and then after Kyrie... By the way, that floater by Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter was ridiculous. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke. It was... He's so crafty with the ball. It's it's absolutely banana lands. I, I'm pretty sure if Kyrie Irving asked me to guard him, I'd just be like, you know what, dude? I enjoy my legs. I'm good. 
just just dribble by me. I'm 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 not even gonna put in any effort. It's it's absolutely insane. But after Kyrie hit that ridiculous floater, Horford off a screen and pop, boom, three pointer. Then a pick and roll, boom, elbow jumper. Love it, love it, love it. So the two of them playing that two man game, tr- having the trust in each other. Because let's be honest, they I know they've played a lot of basketball together, but to have that type of trust in those type of moments is so important because people forget how much of a winner Al Horford is. I think Al Horford has made the playoffs every single season in, in his NBA career. Oh, yeah, and he won back-to-back national championships in college. So Kyrie Irving is a winner. I mean, does he have a winning attitude? No, not not particularly. I, I, I No, yeah. But, I mean, some of the things that he said after the game about being a leader, being, you know, having his teammates and his coaches putting him in the right position. Sure, you could say he's trying to have a winning attitude, but two guys that have won in this league trusting each other is huge for this team. It really, really is. It's it's great, great, great. But the Celtics just kept – I'm trying to what, – what's the – I'm trying to think of, you know, a generic phrase. They really, you know, kept their foot on the pedal. Yeah, let's do that one. They really just kept their foot on the pedal throughout that entire fourth quarter. You know, the Pacers cut it down to two. They could have folded. They said, nah, they got it back up to seven. It was great. One thing that was a little annoying, Jason Tatum, 86% free throw shooter. Then goes 0 for 2 with about, what, there was 90 seconds left, maybe about 100 seconds left, like a buck 30, buck 40. And he misses those two free throws, gets a little stressful after that. But the Celtics defended well late in the game, forced tough shots. I think they had one or two shot clock violations as well. And if I remember correctly, I think the Pacers actually had more turnovers than the Celtics did in this game. Let me just double check that for a second. But the Celtics forcing turnovers was huge in this game. Let me just double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Well, the Cel- okay. The Celtics had 13 turnovers, which is one less from game two, which is all I asked for, a little improvement, and the Pacers had 11. But I bet you, I would probably say two or three of those turnovers were probably in that seven-minute stretch where they only shot two field goals. Absolutely crazy. They went 11 of 30 from three. Celtics went 15 of 34 from three. That's crazy. I'm really, really pumped with how the Celtics defended in this game. And I know it's nothing special when a team ba- the, the way that I the way that I'm reading it and understood it is the in the second half the Pacers went scoreless for almost 11 minutes, which is basically a full quarter of basketball if you actually think about it. And that's sure bad shooting not great offense, but at the same time, you have to credit the defense because they're the ones that's forcing bad shots. And they forced a lot of shots late in the shot clock, which was huge for this team. I was so pumped. You know, they they might have gotten destroyed and points in the paint, but that's okay. I'll live with that because the Celtics, at if the Celtics didn't start off great and they weren't hitting the threes, then, you know, they hit four more threes than the Pacers did. But points in the paint, I'm okay with that because I know the Pacers have better interior scores, right? Sabonis, Turner, Thaddeus Young are way better than Baines and Horford in the post. I'm not saying overall, just scoring in the post. So I'm perfectly content 
with that. And the Celtics defense was, I don't want to say incredible. I don't want to say super duper. I just want to say it was goddamn solid in the fourth quarter and really the entire second half. So I'm really, really pumped to see that because to only allow 35 points in the second half after you gave up 33 in the second, that is big time playoff basketball. Absolutely. All right, folks, let's get into the stud and dud of the game. Hit the music. And now it is time for your Celtics stud and dud playoff edition. Okay, the stud and dud of the game. This is kind of like, you know, the Banner Banter podcast earlier. Uh, the Banner Banter podcast. The Banner Banter investigations where I would kind of bring it all together. Circle of life. Well, we're about to do that stud and dud playoff edition style. Okay, the stud of the game. I really didn't met, talk about it much because I wanted to make sure he got his praise. Jalen Brown. I know, I know, I've bashed Jalen Brown a lot this year. And that dude shut me up tonight. He finally looked comfortable and felt comfortable in the starting lineup. Eight of nine from the field. Seven rebounds. Only four fouls. Proud of you, Jalen. That's what I asked of you last week or last episode. Bravo. Plus 13, which was a team high tied with Horford. And he went four or five from three. And the only three that he missed was Kyrie's fault. It was late in the shot clock. Jalen was looking for the ball a lot easier. Bogdanovich was on him. He was going to catch it, put his head down, and drive, and maybe he would have dished it out like he did with Jason Tatum in Game 2 late in the game. Maybe he would have got up and, you know, went in, get some free throw shots. But Jalen Brown, 4 of 5 from 3, 8 of 9 from the field. Now, let's say Jalen Brown doesn't miss that 3-point shot that was Kyrie's fault. He goes 8 of 8 from the field. If you guys remember, the last time the Celtics played the Indiana Pacers in Indiana, which is a mouthful, in Indiana, Gordon Hayward went 9 of 9 from the field, 21 points, 4 boards, 2 assists. And guess who's the dud of the game? This is where the circle of life comes in. Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward really didn't have a great game. Let's be honest. His shot selection was piss poor tonight. He was 2 of 7 from the field, but... Knowing that Brad still trusts him with the opening night starters, huge. Because now Gordon, on a night like tonight, if Jalen's off, let's say, for example, Gordon can turn it on. And if Gordon's off, Jalen can turn it on because you know you can rely on Tatum, Horford, and Kyrie, especially in the playoffs. Tatum had a really good game. I I know I'm not talking a lot about Jason Tatum. I'm talking about some of the other little things, but... Tatum played 33 minutes. He shot 50% from the field, 18 points, seven boards. I'm perfectly content with that. But Gordon Hayward's shot selection just really wasn't there. Forced some some shots up. Some of the shots were a little too contested for my liking, almost like Marcus Morris-like. And by the way, Marcus Morris, 50% from the field, four of eight, 11 points, seven boards. I mean, when you get, the Celtics won the rebound battle again, guys. I mean, this time it was only by five versus the double digits that they have before. But, you know, Tatum was seven. Horford with eight. Jalen Brown was seven. Marcus Morris was seven. Hayward with five. Great night of rebounding. But Gordon Hayward could have played a, a lot better in this game. Shot selection could have been a, a little bit better as well. So I know Gordon Hayward is a vet. He'll recover from that. And I am perfectly content with 
you know, someone had to be the dud. And I couldn't pick Terry Rozier because Terry Rozier with about 10 minutes, maybe 10 and a half minute mark in the fourth quarter played unbelievable defense on Corey Joseph. It was, it literally gave me chills. So just literally based on that 10 to 12 seconds of defense that Terry Rozier played, he couldn't be the dud, even though he was the only Celtics player tonight who was in the minus. He was a minus six. I mean, Aaron Baines was a plus one, and he only played 21 minutes. So even though he was a minus six and had three turnovers, which led the team, Terry Rozier played defense, and I was impressed by it. So no way he could be the dud. It's Gordon Hayward. All right. Game four, Sunday, 1 p.m. How do the Celtics bring out the brooms in Indiana for the sweep? Let's talk about this. The Celtics, again, win the rebound battle. And I know I sound like a broken record, but the Celtics won the rebound battle again, and they won another basketball game. They had nine offensive rebounds in this game. That's a fifth of their rebounds. They had 45, so nine times five, 45. Boom, math. That's huge. Turnovers went down. Assists went up. Last game was 22 and 14. This game, 23 and 13. Yes, love it, love it, love it. Little nervous on how Sabonis and Turner played. They went 7 of 20 from the field. Both looked a lot more physical in this game. Liked playing physical. Maybe because they were at home, they were a little juiced up about everything. But the Celtics have to keep setting good screens to get mismatches with Turner. Horford's really got to lay down some mismatches and then give Kyrie some space. I think that will be very, very important. I could definitely see Kyrie taking... Uh, Kyrie took 19 shots. I could see Kyrie taking 30 shots in game four. He's going to want to end this thing. He's going to want to get some rest because, folks, let's be honest, the Bucs are going to sweep the Pistons. If the Pistons get one win in, I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, even if Blake Griffin does come back. So you want to get some rest because the Bucs are going to be getting some rest too. So I could see Kyrie going all out in this game. And speaking of people who can go all out, Bogdanovich. I think Bogdanovich is going to drop 30 points in this game. In game four, he's due. Jalen Brown has played very well with him defensively. Him and Jason Tatum switching. Tatum does an okay job with him. I mean, Tatum, when Bogdanovich covers Tatum, like my nipples get hard. I love it. He cannot guard him for the life of him. He can try and keep up with him, but Tatum step back. If he can get that little push off, oh, it's lovely. But Bogdanovich is due. Sure, he, he scored like 22 or 23 points in game two, but... You know, he was, I think, 6 of 17. Yeah, he was 6 of 17 in this game. He played 40 minutes. He's going to go off, and he was only 2 of 8 from 3. He's going to go off, and I think this is the game where he's going to go off. But that's okay, as long as no one else goes off. Because, like, for example, Tyreek Evans, he went off t- off tonight for the Celtics, He pl- uh, for the Pacers. He played very well. Off the bench, 22 minutes, 19 points, 60% from the field. That is someone that the Celtics have to keep an eye on. All you got to do with Evan Turner... Evan Turner is one, he's a shooter. He's a scorer. If Tyreek Evans could shoot a hundred shots a game, he would. And he usually does it with five or six seconds left to go on the shot clock. So just put one hand up, just put a hand up in his face, make him contested, make him think, make him not see the basket. And he's not going to score 19 points off six to 10 of shooting. That's a guarantee. So just be ready for it. Just get a hand in his face because if he does dribble by you, that's fine. Because you got four other people defending you. And I'm talking to you, Gordon Hayward, because there was a couple times where you should have had your hand up in his face and you didn't. But that's okay. One thing, 
when I talked about how great the Celtics were defensively, especially in the second half, I'd mentioned in the first two games, the Pacers led the points off turnovers, right? Category? Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Points off turnovers category. Sorry. I'm having a brain fart. I'm really juiced about this win. I was, I like I mentioned in episode 38 on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever the hell I released it, this week has been a blur. I'll tell you that right now. I really thought that this was the one the Celtics were going to lose and then they'd win in five. But that's here nor there. They won tonight and I'm all over the place. But the Celtics actually won the points off turnover battle. They got... 20 points off turnovers. They haven't done that all series, so that was huge. They didn't get as many fast break points as I would like. The Pacers got a lot of fast break points off of turnovers as well, but the Celtics had 20 points off turnovers. Pacers only had 10. First time they won that type of statistical battle all series long. Here's another thing. The Celtics have to shoot better from the free throw line in game four. They, I thought they attacked the ball very well or attack the ball, attack the basket very well, but going 13 of 22 from the free throw line, that ain't going to cut it, folks, in any way, shape, or form. It's not going to cut it. But the other thing the Celtics need to focus on, and this is the last thing I'll talk about, is all five starters from the Pacers scored in double figures. Obviously, that doesn't happen with the Celtics because Aaron Baines, you know, it's very rare that he scores in double figures. That's not why he's there. But you got to keep those guys... It, one or two of those guys, like Wesley Matthews got a little hot towards the end of the game. Thaddeus Young played pretty well. Bogdanovich is going to go off. But keep Turner, keep Sabonis. They they had a combined 25 points. In game two, they only had a combined of 9 or 10 points. Shut down one of those guys. Let someone else go off. Keep an eye on Tyreek Evans, and everything's going to be fine. If the Celtics don't win game four, don't panic, folks. You come back to TD Garden Wednesday night for Game 5. Everything will be good. I'm not saying it's a guaranteed win that they'll win this series. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in the NBA playoffs. So that's a plus on our side. The Celtics, as an organization, are 37-1 when they're up two games to none. And guess what? Now they're up three games to one. And the Pacers are 0-6 as a franchise when down two games to none. And now they're down three games to none. Okay? So, stay positive. If they lose on Easter, not that big of a deal. Brad and others will make adjustments. Be prepared for Brogdanovich to go off. Be prepared for Kyrie to take a shitload of shots. And let's hope that Jalen and Jason and Gordon and Al and Marcus Morris, excuse me, it was bound to happen, I was going to burp, will win the shooting battle. Percentage-wise, good shot-wise, you know, the the whole nine. the The whole nine. I really cannot talk. I'm just so, I'm really pumped about this one. So we'll talk to you guys Sunday. I'll probably post it Monday morning, you know, because it is Easter. Got to spend time with the family and stuff. But check it out on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it. Episode 39 is in the books. Episode 40 will be my fourth podcast of the week. That's a lot. That's a lot. But let's hope the uh, the Celtics are bringing out the brooms in Indiana come Sunday afternoon after everyone has their Easter dinner. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please.
Please, each and every one of you. Good night.